Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with Keith Myers. We're going live at the end of the Seahawks versus the New Orleans Saints game. Keith, uh, Seattle drops it 32-39 to against the Saints. They, uh, they made a valiant effort, I think, on the offensive side of the ball to get back into this game late uh, into the fourth quarter. But Seattle's defense, again, uh, kind of got it in its own way uh, as a team and failed to stop the Saints on critical running plays. Uh, explosive plays abound against the uh, Seahawks defense. Uh, Taysom Hill with three rushing touchdowns, added in a passing touchdown, clearly their player of the game. He was the difference, but he wasn't alone. Uh, Kamara had a great game rushing. Uh, picked up some key first uh, first down conversions, third down conversions for them, first downs. And we didn't do it on the other side. I think we were one of, what, 13 or 14 uh, third down conversion attempts. Um, Gino, you know, tried to play hero, but uh, it just wasn't quite enough. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> Gino and Lockett, you know, with that, that big touchdown that got them um, – you know, the lead there in the fourth uh, wasn't enough because the defense couldn't get a stop ever. And um, and then in the end, Gino had the ball, had the ball in his hands with a chance to drive him down and win. And instead he takes a, what is it, 20 yard sack um, that looked just as about as ugly of a play from a quarterback as you'll ever see. Yeah, that was that was tough. I mean, that's a guy. um you know, kind of not used to playing at the end of games, just trying to do too much, just putting really the whole thing on his shoulders. And, and I, you know, it's hard to completely blame him. He hasn't been in a lot of those situations, at least for a long time. Uh, but, but he's clearly got to get the ball out there uh, and give his uh, team uh, another, another day and uh, not take such a, such a big loss. But um, all around, you know, there were some standout individual performances. Um, but again, that run defense, Keith. It's I don't even know bad. what to say. I don't. I don't. I don't have all the stats in front of me right at this moment. Let me pull that up really quick. So Andy Dalton went 16 to 24 for 187 yards, a touchdown, and interception. Uh, Tariq Woolen jumped that route and had a really nice interception on that. We can talk about that later. Taysom Hill had the the one pass for 22 yards and the touchdown. I mentioned that. Rushing, Taysom Hill, nine carries, 112 yards, 12.4 yards per carry, three touchdowns. Alvin Kamara, 23 carries, uh, 103 yards, uh, 4.5 average. Um, And then, you know, they were just doing whatever they needed to do against us on the offensive side of the ball. They were converting third downs. Um, and not trying to do too much, but clearly just committed to running the ball against the Seahawks um, for over, um, looks like over well over 200 yards in this game. 
235. And, and took uh, control of the playcock. Uh, Seattle did not uh, convert third downs uh, very well in this game. But they, they did have some standout performances. Geno Smith, I thought, had an overall really decent game. But he was kind of the only guy out there, 16 to 25. 268 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. A little less efficient, though, that, than you want to see uh, from him. But, you know, you really can't over, blame over him. 10 yard, over 10 yards per pass attempt. Yeah. Um, and no um, no interceptions. He didn't turn the ball over. He took the one bad sack, and he had a couple of plays where he threw the ball for two yards on third and six and that kind of stuff. You can't do that. But overall, I mean. The, he wasn't the reason they lost. <laughs> he was not the reason they lost. And, right. and you know, I mean, he he did his job. Uh, the running game did their job. You know, Ken Walker with mm-hmm. eight carries for 88 yards and that big touchdown. That Rashad was really Penny, sweet. Eight carries for 54 yards before his injury. God, I hope he's um, – it's not as bad as, I, as it looks like it might be. Um, it's like a high ankle sprain. Yeah. So you have um, – you know, you've got uh, that. I mean, Lockett five catches, 104 yards, two touchdowns, including yeah. that that one at the end. Metcalf, yeah, DK five, Metcalf looked good. Five for 80. He did. He did have a couple of drops, which I think um, hurt. And that fumble, I didn't yeah. actually think that. I thought I thought that fumble wasn't a catch, um, just based on the rule, uh, the way that he he caught it and couldn't even really get down on the ground before he was losing control over it. I. I don't. I don't like that call. I get it. I mean, the team that wasn't why the team lost either. Uh, Metcalf did his part. Um, yeah, a lot of the fans on on Twitter are kind of reacting to some of the uh, referee calls in this game. You, you mentioned that one. You talk about the pass interference uh, thing or defensive holding against Tariq Woolen at an untimely moment that really wasn't holding at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Tariq was just playing nice and aggressive, a little handsy, but he wasn't holding. He wasn't doing no. anything past five yards to disrupt any sort of timing or anything like that. Just no, kind of a bad call. But I don't agree, though, that it made a difference in this game. Um, you know, a team's got to work to overcome those sorts of things in almost every game in the NFL. And I thought it was just squarely on the on the um, inability uh, of the Seattle defense to kind of get off the field when they needed to. I, I will say this though, they did create some, you know, some punts in this game. This wasn't a complete washout on the yeah. defensive side of the ball. And this uh, Seahawks offense to get the ball back. We put up a ton of points. We put up enough points to win most games. But when you you give up thirty nine or however many it was, what thirty nine points to any team in the NFL, you're likely going to be on the losing side of the, uh, mm-hmm. that score. And um, that that's clearly what happened here. Yeah, you're not going to win 48-45 very often in the NFL. No. Like Seattle did last week. You have to be a better on defense. And um, the 12 penalties didn't help. That was a lot of, a lot of penalty yards in this game. Um, and ultimately, you know, the offense is trying to win shootouts because the defense is not good. And this offense, it's not ready for that. It is it It has some explosive tendencies. And we saw in this game, it had six plays of, um, was it 32 yards or more, but ultimately, I mean, you're asking a lot for, our, um, a team with, you know, a rookie running back two rookie tackles and a quarterback that's been a journeyman backup his whole career. So, um, yeah, I mean, th- they just need more out of this defense. And now a word from our sponsor DraftKings. 
The NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's interesting when you take a look at the, the leading tacklers in this game. Uh, Cody Barton had 12 combined tackles, seven mm -hmm. individual tackles. Jordan Brooks, seven uh, individual tackles, 11 combined tackles. But both of them were somewhat ineffective, um, if you really think about it. Um, most of those tackles were clearly past the line of scrimmage. Um, I thought Al Woods had a, had a good game. We mentioned Tariq Woolen. I thought he had an outstanding game. And that interception was pro- level i mean yeah he the anticipation on that thing the break on the ball and then just reaching out and using his length to, to go out and secure that ball um was just unreal and that's three turnovers generated by him in, in three, three games in the last three games plus you had yep. the the block kick thing and he's just playing outstanding mm -hmm. he really is and um he continues to be the the steal of this entire draft. I think if if you go back right now and redraft this entire um draft. Abe Lucas too. Um Abe Lucas and um Tariq Woolen are both going the first round. So um you know he's like he's like a shiny spot in in the middle of a sea of dark because the rest of the <laughs> God, it's just not it hasn't been uh, good. Sea um, of dark is putting it kindly. Uh Quandre Diggs needs we need to mention him. Because this is a guy that was a free agent. The Seahawks paid to make sure to hit him to come back because they wanted, you know, that veteran presence in the secondary and all that. And he's been good in the past for Seattle in previous years. He is not playing well this year. He is missing tackles. He is missing assignments. He missed that key one against Taysom Hill. When oh. Taysom Hill broke off that 50-plus yarder for the touchdown, it was Quandre Diggs that was playing close to the line of scrimmage. In fact, the entire defense was up in the in the box. Mm -hmm. um, trying to defend that. And as soon as Taysom got past Diggs, it was over. There was nobody behind. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can't let that play get behind you like that. Um, and as the, as the free safety, as the, the last guy back, I get him coming up to make the tackle. But for him to just come up and whiff at the line of scrimmage and then to have no, there's no one behind you after that. Yeah. Barton um, was out there on the end and Barton, uh, again, got blocked in um away from the play Taysom just ran around him Quandre mm -hmm. was in that spot but Quandre missed the tackle and that was it now Woolen yeah. tried to to catch up to him finally did catch up to him but not enough to to prevent the touchdown I want to mention mm -hmm. too today um that Ryan Neal got the start over Josh Jones I think that's about time everyone's kind of sensing that Ryan Neal had a real nice breakup in the end zone uh, mm -hmm. to, to kind of show his his skill set nice there he had a few nice plays. Um, surprised we didn't they didn't call his name more. Uh, but I think a lot of that was because he was, you know, when he was in coverage, he 
had good coverage and so mm-hmm. the ball didn't go to his guy um six tackles uh, tackles today for him yeah so i he played pretty well we did uh, this too our defense uh, when they were out michael thompson and jarvis landry out uh in this game Jameis winston out you know and their offense just kind of took it to us which and then a lot alave also left um in the first half yeah in the first half concussion um and so they were without their their top three receivers and their quarterback and the seahawks gave up 39 points we you know when we were talking about this um game in our pre matchup show this last week we kind of we we talked about this scenario where um it it would be a shootout and it was kind of a short conversation because neither of us thought that that was likely but now that i'm looking at it in retrospect and looking at it with the lens of, of of now going through this game um i think that our defense is going to give up 30 points a game as just kind of an average and the fact that Mm -hmm. they got 39 doesn't surprise me at all because they're a little better than average uh, offense but they're um they're not that good and they're not that that good at all in fact you know you go to pre-game stats they're probably ranked 22nd 23rd in the nfl in overall offense their defense was top 15 um but they didn't show that that really that's the yeah. part that surprised me um, in terms of Seattle's offensive performance is that it's one thing to, to light up the scoreboard and put up all the yards against Detroit, whose defense is genuinely bad. Um, it's another thing to go out and do this to the Saints because the Saints have a good, yeah. they're a good what defense. Did you, what did you think about Geno's performance in, in the run game um, overall? Well, I think Geno's performance in the first half was like, um, I think I texted you. It had, had a me few re- wow moments. It had it had me kind of reconsidering um, my stance on him a little bit, and um, you know, I, I was wondering, like, okay, you know, I I got to make sure that I'm not letting confirmation bias um, affect this because I expect him to, you know, be mediocre. And am I just looking for that? And so I, I was really thinking of that. And then the second half um, ha- happened. And yeah, he had the one big throw to lock it, but that could have been picked if the um, safety doesn't get himself turned around. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, it was not a good performance in the second half. He really struggled. And that was, this is a common theme um, for Seattle yeah. and its offense. Well, I'm going to agree and, and disagree just a little bit. I think that they they needed and required a little bit of adjustment time after halftime. I think the Saints came out and made some good adjustments um, to, to really try to focus on our run game and put Gino in a, in a box a little bit, and they were effective at doing that. But I also thought that they later adjusted to that, and Gino made some outstanding throws down the stretch. Also some good decision-making, I think, as well, both in terms of, hitting the right receivers, but also holding on to the ball and not throwing into, into tight coverage, um, you know, as the game developed, uh, you know, down the stretch. But that throw to Tyler Lockett at the end zone to come back and put the Seahawks in the lead at the end there was was tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous I'm, throw. I'm, I, and like I said, that like that throw aside, because that throw was freaking amazing. It was just um, the rest of the second half, though, I, I didn't think he played that well. And it comes down, you know, you look at that, um, the sack he took at the end the of the game. The sack that, he took is terrible. 
that was that was bad. Um, that was almost Russell Wilson bad in terms of sacks because he does that sometimes. Uh, but, Again, there's a player in Geno Smith right there that knows his team best and was trying to uh, put the team on his shoulders. You yep. know, and I it, sometimes I don't blame a guy for that in that situation, but <clears throat> you do got to. You've got to make a better decision there. You you've got to get the ball out, but it's it's so tough. It is tough. Well, and I think what it comes down to is is uh, he, he you know in that situation trying to do too much. Well, there's a there's a reason why we haven't seen Gino with the fourth quarter comeback or any of that winning that fourth quarter drive. He's not that guy. Um, he needs to rely on his playmakers. He needs to let his guys. Um, go do their jobs. And we saw that Ken Walker, that amazing run in the second half that um, if you look at the stat sheet, it doesn't quite look like the offense got shut down like it has been in the past. Um, You know, but we only went one for 13 on third down conversion, but yeah, well, there's that. And the, um, you know, a lot of the second half, like that second half um, touchdown was all, you know, that was all Ken Walker and the the running game. So uh, there just wasn't enough, there wasn't enough from the offense in the second half to um, hold on to the win. Especially and, considering you're trying to keep your defense off yeah. the field. And, 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 I, and, I, and I'm, so I'm, I'm not trying to say this is on the offense. I'm trying to say that um, if they're going to win, the offense has to be more efficient than that, especially in the second half, because the defense is just that bad. And Camden in the chat just said, yeah, too many sacks while retreating and uh, for Gino, and I would agree with that. Um, it's one thing to take a sack, you know, stepping up into the pocket and the pocket collapses around you. It's another thing to take a sack 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage because you're running backwards. And that's just that's just not not gonna gonna help your team in any way. I think that's a that's something that Gino can improve upon. I think that, that as you go forward in the season, you understand your physical limitations and so forth, it becomes clearer um, you know, when you need to get rid of the ball and so forth, that that it, that internal clock if you will, is going off in your head and, and um, he's going against the best in the world. You know, Cam, uh, Cameron Jordan is, is, was great in this game uh, mm-hmm. against arguably the best rookie tackle in the NFL. Um, and he ran around him uh, for that one sack. And then later in the game, at, you know, at the end was a factor too. So, yeah, but he also wasn't a factor on a lot of plays. Uh, I thought, I mean, Abel Lucas did get beat twice by uh, by Jordan. He also won a lot of those uh, times when they were up against each other, and um, that just goes to show you, like he's God, he's such a been such so good and so unexpectedly good uh, that a third round uh, offensive tackle would be that good. Um, but yeah, you're going against Cameron Jordan. You're going against one of the best in the game, um, and as they pointed out in you know from the broadcast they weren't giving him a lot of help they weren't giving lucas you know will disley beside him to try and help him out he they were asking him to go one on one um and that i mean i can't say enough about how well that kid's playing i agree i agree I I think he's playing better than Charles Cross is. I I know you know they've said that Charles Cross is going against some of the best uh, defensive ends in the league. But you know what? There's there's good defensive ends on both sides mm-hmm. uh, of the line of scrimmage there. 
um, in most games. And Abe Lucas is doing a great job. You can't take anything away from him. Um, and, and their grades overall are, are somewhat equal. Um, both have a few untimely penalties here and there, giving up a few uh, quarterback hits and hurries and so forth. But that's exactly what you're going to expect from yeah. from rookies in their first season, their first five games in the NFL. Uh, yeah. But overall, man, you're right. You've got to hand it to them. They're doing well. I wanted to mention Boye Mafe too. Um, Boye Mafe came out and started this game uh, opposite Uchenna Nuasu at defensive end, uh, you know, at uh, outside linebacker, outside linebacker. For, the, for the Seahawks. And, but I did see Daryl Taylor in there shortly thereafter uh, on a couple of series. So I know that he was in there as well. And I thought early on they, they did a pretty decent job stopping the run. I thought Al Woods was outstanding um initially and forcing um forcing a lot of that stuff outside and and nuasu and boy mafe and the line the other linebackers were out there to make plays but over time it seems like they just got worn down seattle couldn't get off the field our lack of being able to convert on third downs on offense leading to punts and so forth um put our defense out there quite a quite a bit and we're just not that team we're just not able to overcome that um yeah and and against a, a team with a challenge uh, player like Taysom Hill, I mean, the kid can run. He makes a difference. It's it's crazy when you see him in person. You think, well, he's kind of a gadgety guy, but no, he's like two hundred and twenty pounds, six two. Um, he makes good decisions, and he and he takes advantage of defenses. Um, and and he can. Th- I mean, he's not. And he can throw not, the ball. He, he's not going to light up the scoreboard if you ask him to, to play quarterback on every um, on every play, but. You know, you have to commit an extra guy up at the line of scrimmage to try and stop him from running, and he can throw the ball good enough to beat you in that situation. So um, he's tough. Boy, he he really yeah. is a, a a tough stop for most yeah. teams, but he just ran all over Seattle. It seemed like no matter what, they were going to gain five to six yards on any any play, mm-hmm. and with the potential to knock one out of the park, and they did. I I can't remember how many big plays, explosive plays Seattle gave up today, but I guarantee you it's close to 10. Uh, and you can't give up that many big plays like that on a defense and expect to win. You just can't. Even though your offense is actually scoring points pretty pretty well, it's just too much of a deficit. It, you had mentioned to me, I think, in a, in a text uh, that you thought that we were going to lose this game. It was close to halftime, a little maybe into the third quarter slightly. No, it, it was in the third quarter. Not the third quarter wasn't quite over, um, and I was like, if we give up a score here, it feels like we're going to lose, uh, and they did. Um, yeah. And then we got down by two two scores, and yeah, and and, and then at we that immediately point, came back and threw. threw yeah, a touchdown and so that, at that point, I was like, I, I, and it wasn't. It was just I didn't trust our our defense to get stops. And we needed, because if you're down two scores, you've got to get a couple of stops so that way your offense can have a chance to put up enough points. Yeah, and they actually right. did. They they got, um, you know, that big run uh, by Walker. They got that beautiful uh, touchdown by Lockett. Um, and for a second there, they were up by one. But then the for defense. For a second. For and, the, and then and, they immediately came back and scored a touchdown after that. Yeah. Taysom Hill touchdown. Yeah. And so, and it just, at that point, it did seem inevitable. And then when the when the team act, uh, ultimately lost in the end, I just was, it was so sad to be right 
I, I wanted to be wrong there. <laughs> you and I had the same thought. Um, like it was, you want, I want to see this team do what it does. Um, you know, run the football, uh, not turn it over, play good defense, except for they don't play good defense anymore. They're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And that's just hard. The saints were nine games. of 12 on third down conversions. Yeah. And the Seahawks were one and one of 13. Yeah. And that's the difference really. In this game, you know, any, any number of those could have been, um, stops and, and you're forcing, uh, them to punt. You're taking the ball out of their hands. You're giving it to our offense, giving Geno Smith another opportunity. I got to hand it to Geno Smith though. You know, Keith, um, this is a game that I thought would be a really good challenge for Geno. Saints, Saints defense is, is no slouch. They've got good edge rushers, good linebacker play. Lattimore was out there defending against, um, Metcalf. And I thought it would just be a great challenge for this offense. And I think they kind of met that challenge. They were able to run the ball effectively. Geno Smith looked great, especially in the first half. Especially Came back and made half. some good plays in the second half, enough to put his team in position to win the game. Oh, yeah. And so when you take a look at those factors, I'm just really pr- proud of the way Geno is stepping up into this role this year and exceeding expectations and at least giving his team a chance every week. And that's way more than I think that we – uh, acknowledged or, or gave him credit for at the beginning of the year. So I'm, I'm really happy that it's kind of turning out for him that way. Yeah. I'm going to agree with you on that because this is, this is a good defensive team that the saints have and the Seahawks still put up, um, you know, over 30 points. They had the lead in the fourth quarter. They did those things. And I, you, I don't want my thing. Oh, they weren't, they weren't efficient enough in the third down or whatever to feel like too complainy. They did their job. The offense did its job. It's the defense yeah. that let this team down. Um, well, and those 14, 14 points that we gave up in the third quarter and did not respond with any points of our own in the third quarter was the difference because we outscored them in the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. 13 to 8. Yep. So, yeah. Um, and then the other part with all of this that I, I think since you brought up Gino, um, I do think you look at the end of the game and you look at what happened at the end of the game, he is a good caretaker of a good offense. Um, you can win a lot of games with a, with a quarterback like Gino, but he also was the guy who has been, had many opportunities to take the team down the field and get the team the win and has yet to do it. Um, I equate him to Alex Smith, um, who drafted by the 49ers kind of washed out there, but then ended up with Andy Reid in Kansas city and got them deep into the playoffs. But even Andy Reid knew you have to do you have to have better in order to actually get that championship. Um, and I think this is kind of where we're at with Gino. Is he's he's better than I expected him to be, but I still don't think he's uh, an answer at quarterback. He's a guy that will be a great bridge to a young player that they can give a guy a year to learn from someone who studies the game really well um, before they turn it over to a more dynamic player. I think that that's really kind of the key that you mentioned there. I would even take it just a step further and say that I'm this game really kind of made it more comfortable for me in my mind to actually go ahead and run Gino out next year. And that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, I'm, but, I'm but for with, running him with back maybe a little year. bit more confidence, maybe even extending Gino now rather than later he's going to get paid 
he's going to get paid by somebody. I think he's better in a Seahawks uniform going forward, even if you give him like a three-year deal, because you can that still does not prohibit you from drafting your your quarterback. But it does give you a a, a larger opportunity in the draft to let the draft fall to you. And what I mean by that is if you're not going to pick top five, you're going to miss out on probably the top two quarterbacks in this draft. But if you've got a quarterback that's going to get drafted a little later at 10 or in between 10 and 30 somewhere, you could get a a quarterback with one of the two first round picks that you do have. Um, But it will also allow you to go out and, and you talked about this uh, in earlier shows get a whole bunch of defensive players with those early round picks and really Which make a need. difference on your team yeah. because we need an infusion of talent, speed, and quality there that we just do not have. And allow a quarterback to come in and not have that pressure of playing right away. Have Gino again, you mentioned it, be a bridge to that player um, while still giving your team a chance to win right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where we're at with Gino Smith. And it's not a bad thing. This this emergence of Geno this year is still a good thing for the franchise. It gives the franchise more options when it does come to the draft or when it does come to free agency next year um, where they don't have to myopically focus on figuring out a way to get to the top of the draft to get their quarterback. And maybe they still do that. Maybe that is the option they ultimately end up on. But this level of play does give them more flexibility well, to look at yeah. other positions as well. As long as they get him extended, because right now he's set to be a free agent after this year. Um, and so I agree with your your take on go ahead and, and sign him to the extension now. I would add two more years to it so he gets um, next year and the year after. Next year he goes into the year as a starter with um, you know, a rookie backup and then if the backup's ready, he comes in and play, plays in year two, and Gina goes and finds another team. And if not, um, then they still got Gino. So I, I really think that that kind of should be the plan at this point. He's he's outperformed all expectations. He's shown that he, while limited um, somewhat, is still a guy that you can win with. He's still a guy that um, he's Alex Smith. He can take you to the playoffs. He may not win you a championship, but he can take you to the playoffs, and that is if if you're surrounded by good quality yeah. teammates. He, he is on offense; he's not on defense. Um, and like I say, I, I I do think he's good enough to do that, and he provides that you know two to three year, counting this one, bridge to get them to a young uh, dynamic player. But they've got to go get that dy- dynamic player. Um, yes. In a and, draft that's possibly loaded with with at least four or five of them. Yeah, and then you look at, um, you know, if you if this team goes and goes, oh, we're going to commit to, as Camden said on um, on YouTube, uh, Will Anderson uh, with that first, you know, their first pick, and then go defense next year. The team's going to be too good for them to get a quarterback. Uh, it's got to be this year because you make that defense too competent, and then you are. Um, you know, picking 26th in uh, the draft yeah, be, order. And in in never the 20s, right. Yeah, you're never getting a quarterback there. So you have to, when you have the opportunity and you have, you know, probably two top 10 picks this year, 
you have to make make one of them count and go and get your guy. And that's because Gino is 32 this year. He'll be 33 next year. He's not getting any younger. And this is the time. This is where you have the draft capital to do it. Doesn't mean uh, Gino's playing bad. He's not your future. And mm-hmm. so you've got to adjust for that. You've got to get, um, as you said, take the opportunity when the opportunity is sitting right in front of you. Um, doesn't mean that Seahawks are going to do that or go that that direction, but we'll we'll find out. I I think that the conversation is we're we're basically saying the same thing, as that we've got options, uh, but that option you know should include signing Gino. I think yeah. for a, a period of time yeah. that makes sense for for all parties, and I think it makes sense for the Seahawks because he's playing well enough and now diverse enough over a five game stretch. Maybe you wait, you know. A little longer or wait maybe you wait until after the season but you're going to have some competitors for sure uh after this if gino continues to play at this level and it looks like after a five-game sample that this this is what we're seeing now he's he's actually grown as a player since we've seen him for any extended period of time he understands uh his reads better he's uh getting the ball out better his timing and touch is i i just have these wow moments with him like I can't believe that I'm watching Geno Smith throw the ball 30 yards down the field with that much accuracy. Um, and so if you can lock him up for a couple of years, that gives you some options at quarterback that maybe you didn't have prior to the season beginning where you thought for sure you were going to be in the running for a top three pick and you were going to go out and get one of those studs coming out of college right away. Now, as Camden uh, said, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, is sitting out there in free agency. Maybe that's a move we make, or maybe it's one of the the uh, quarterbacks that are, you know, not exactly first tier in this in the first three or four quarterbacks taken off the board in this draft. Maybe it's that next tier where it's, you know, the back end of the first round or second round guys that are available as well. Because I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we pick a guy if we don't have a defense that you can put up in the field. It's oh, not yeah. going to be. It's going to be pretty ugly. But but you mentioned that earlier. You get a Will Will Anderson in here. You can still have the great one of the greatest defensive players to come out in college football. But your defense is still crap because there's mm-hmm. only one Will Anderson, and everyone else around him is not good. So it's a it's a process. Yeah, you gotta you gotta they they need an overhaul of their defensive talent, and you're you're not going to do that um, unless you invest the draft capital in it because. You just can't make a big enough impact free agency wise. The costs are too much. So, um, the Lamar Jackson uh, comment made me think that I think a more likely scenario would be the Bears giving up on Justin Fields and sending him out, like shipping him off for like a fourth or fifth round pick, and then having a situation where you can let him, you know, sit for a year, undo the damage that Chicago has done to him. Um, and then give him a chance to show off his talents because you know he's extremely talented, but the, the Bears are just getting him destroyed. They're they're ruining him. So interesting, crazy. Um, so what do you what do you think, Keith? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up our our schedule really quick here for at least me, not for the for the audience, but um the cardinals visit the seahawks next week the cardinals uh up until this last game are two and two as well um this then the seahawks traveled to the chargers the giants coming in the giants were three and one entering this weekend um things don't get easier 
The Giants beat uh, Green Bay. Okay, so they're four and one. Yeah. They wow. So four and one Giants come in. So that game is no longer a, a gimme by any by any means. So uh, the schedule doesn't get any easier. Is what I, what I'm saying. And the defense is what it is. We've got a five game sample now. The offense is looking pretty good. I'm not so worried about that. It's kind of a role reversal of what I was thinking heading into the season would be the case. I think everyone was kind of in that boat. Everyone thought the defense would be pretty decent going out and the offense would really struggle. Uh, the opposite is true, but the results I think are going to be the same. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ellie, I, having a good offense and a bad defense is at least more entertaining because games that you lose, um, you know, 38, 31 are more fun than games that you lose nine to 12. Um, so uh, I get a question I, for you. I bring up that score because that's the last Denver Broncos score. Uh, <laughs> so with this defensive performance and struggles, and in the past we've been able to kind of write this thing a, a little bit and get the defense to play better in the second half of seasons. What does this do to the idea of, of Pete Carroll as a coach and the decision-making of Clint Hurt and Sean Desai, Carl Scott and company? as far as their coaching, their scheme, or is this just strictly a, a lack of talent, a lack of depth, and a personnel issue? I think it's mostly a personnel issue, and it's a mostly a per personnel issue up front um, where you've got a bunch of guys that are players that do what's good in a 4-3 trying to play in a 3-4. And like Quentin Jefferson is a great example. He's a guy that's been good at getting pressure on the quarterback um, in the past. And this year he has been completely ineffective at all phases. Um, he He's not built to do what the team is asking him to do. And that's a problem, right? That was the reason, part of the reason why we, um, you know, struggled so much in past years was because, you know, you've got, um, Norton, who was trying to get, you know, trying to turn Jamal Adams into a free safety that runs around in coverage. Um, he's not that guy. Right. And, and he was, he was, they were asking players to do what, what they're not good at. Um, now they're doing a much better job of that with the, um, you know, with the, the secondary, but up front, um, they're back to that problem again. And I, but I think it's a personnel issue because you can't, um, you're they're trying to make this shift to the three four uh and it takes at least a full year two off seasons to get the personnel worked out um before things work out and that's that it's just you have to shuffle your roster that much um quentin jefferson wasn't a big time signing he wasn't a guy that was like you know first tier of, of the free agents he was signed later um he was brought in because they weren't able to land one of the guys that they thought could um anchor the line and do that but they still needed a guy they still needed someone to come in and be a guy that can take some snaps and, and do some things and be a veteran and not um make too many mistakes and that kind of stuff so they went ahead and signed him but he's not a good fit and um they just need another year to get the, all of this right i agree yeah and the, you know and that points to the lack of depth as well so the the players that we do have here that are behind with starters are just mm -hmm. not living up to um living up to it as well and so it's it's inherent that we have problems and issues and they're not able to make adjustments to 
make it any better. Um, in fact, this game looked as bad as it's been, you know, especially uh, trying to defend the run. Um, Andy Dalton's not going to kill you, and they're missing three of their wide receivers. So you're not really worried about that. Even then, we couldn't stop the run. Even when we're stacking eight guys in the box, they're still beating us. They're still knocking Quentin Jefferson off the ball. They're, they're still having Cody Martin making tackles seven yards past the line of scrimmage. I even noticed Al Woods was about eight yards past the line of scrimmage on one play to, to stop the run. He was the guy with the tackle. Um, eight yards past the line of scrimmage, yeah. um, which is just crazy. And so, good hustle um, for a 330 pound guy. You don't usually hustle. see that. Um, but yeah. you don't want your 330 pound guys making tackles eight yards past the line of scrimmage. If they're making tackles, it needs to be um, either in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage. Uh, anywhere behind it, you should have your linebackers coming forward and making those plays. And you see Cody Barton backpedaling a lot. You see, um, Jordan Brooks has, comes up and makes those plays sometimes, and other times he's making tackles, you know, six, seven, eight yards down the field. Um, right, right. And that's because that he's got, a, you know, one or two double teams coming coming at him, and he's yeah. having to disengage blocks, and he's yeah. he's still fighting through that. I mean, he's not the he's, greatest at disengaging blocks, and then, you know, when he does, the play's past him almost, and he's, he's doing arm tackles. Uh, and getting yeah. dragged, you know, getting dragged for an extra three yards, and that's that's happening a lot. Yeah, he's in, in he's having to fight off a lot of guards um, that get to him before he can get over into the gap and and make a play, and that is grounds for a good running game I by was, the other team. I was so excited to see Jordan Brooks against Kamara just lift him off the ground and plant him on that <laughs> yeah. one play. But think about how many plays you've seen Jordan Brooks make like that this year where it's just a tackle and open field and solid and just boom. That was like the only, one of the only ones I can remember everything else yeah, he's, is an arm tackle and a reaching tackle behind the line scrimmage almost past him. He's got, he's had a couple, um, but he hasn't been as good as you and I anticipated after watching him last year. Um, some of that has to do with, you know, I think he is adjusting and doesn't have, Bobby Wagner beside him to, you know, make all the defensive calls and and allow him to just play and not think. And I think that you've also got um, there's just more problems in front of him. Uh, so he's just not as clean uh, getting through traffic. Yeah. What are the chances we see it uh, before the trade deadline trade this year to bring in somebody to solidify that defensive line? Or Or do you? care at this point if they're two and three maybe they're two and four two and five by that time and and you just kind of live with what you've got i think you live with what you got and you go ahead and and um you don't and you don't trade for a veteran um when you're two and five or you know whatever um you play a young player and maybe i mean miles mm -hmm. adams was has been bad when he's been out there but maybe with playing time, he can make some adjustments. Or maybe there's some other practice squad player out there somewhere we can pick off. Yeah, and and just get some other guys out there. Um, I would I would say it's more likely that the Seahawks trade players, and that Artie Burns isn't playing because you've that for some reason the team likes Michael Jackson. A bit he just he he just came in today. He was active for the first time this year. Yeah, and he played some, but yeah, right. um, you know, I could or Sidney Jones. What's going on with Sidney Jones? He's a healthy those, scratch. 
one of those two guys getting, um, you know, getting traded away uh, to a team that that's desperate at corner or um, especially after Trey Brown comes back. Yeah. Um, or um, Gabe Jack, not yeah. Jackson uh, on the, the offensive line. He's in the last year yeah. of his deal. Yes. Um, and they've got Phil Haynes, who's actually playing well this year, who could and come Curran in and, too. And yeah, and Jake Curran, um, both of which could come in and take that spot at right guard. So I could see him being traded. I I would see them more as sellers than buyers. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's a great approach, actually. All right, I think we're going to wrap this thing up. Um, We've we've stopped talking about the Saints game for the most part. (laughs) There's really nothing else to say that we haven't already said. It's it's mostly a defensive situation now, although the offense probably could have played a little better, especially on third down. Uh, Gino tried to do as much as he could. Um, and there were a couple players that helped him out. We saw Ken Walker have that big play. Tyler Lockett looked great again, catches everything you mentioned on, on a text that we had. He just catches everything. He just catches everything. Yeah. Medcalf looks good. Um, the, the tackles look good. There's a lot of good things. I think Fant had a couple of great catches today. Um, noticed him pop will disley again um but but on the defense you just really struggle beyond Tariq woolen to come up with a player that you're really excited about that you'd build a franchise around that you love to see week in week out there just aren't any and um that's a problem because it's going to take i think more than just this next off season to rebuild something that's this bad this is more of a of a two or three year deal it seems to me um but we'll we'll see We've got enough. Oh, we've got a lot of draft capital. We've got about thirty million dollars. Could be forty-five if you make some adjustments on the, um, the the cap this next year to spend in free agency. So there's opportunities there um, to improve the defense, but we'll see. Yeah, I I think while there's no guys that are like super excited to build a, a team around, I do think there's talent. Uh, I I think that. Brooks may not have us jumping up and down and, um, you know, being excited the way Tariq Woolen is, but he's still a guy that you, I mean, he holds the franchise record in tackles. I think you um, need to pair him though with a, with a better linebacker. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta pair him with someone you that's give him some not help Cody up front. Barton, and yeah. you've got to, you got to put someone in front of him, but you, you've got him, you've got, uh, Kobe Bryant who has, um, started out the year kind of rough, but has played better, played pretty good today, including a forced fumble. Um, and, you know, so there are some other things that you can work with. Boye Mafe is another one. You've got guys. It's not like you have to, you find 11 new starters or if you count Woolen, 10 new starters. I think you need six um, if you want to be a good defense, um, four if you want to be average. And that's not, un, that's not unheard of when you've got, um, you know, five picks in the top 70. That's true. And some, a little bit of money to spend. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think they can do it. It's just going to it's going to take some focus, it's going to take some time, and there's no quick fix. You know, this this year uh is kind of what it is. We're 2 and 3. That's probably one win more than I thought we'd have at this at this time, Keith. You'd kind of been it, in this range. It was one it was one win more than you predicted on our prediction show. It's exactly what I predicted in our it's prediction exactly show. Right. And so um, we kind of are what we are. Um yeah. we're we're between a, you know, 5 and 6 win team. Uh, but these uh, games where where we're evenly matched or or slightly worse off uh, roster wise, 
they're going to be close games and, and we could end up on the losing end. And I think it, it happened today. We, I kind of predicted a loss. You predicted a loss. Um, and we, and we lost it's, I'm not trying to say, yay, I was right. Opposite. I feel, I don't feel good about that. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting that, uh, just sheer out of necessity because it is what it is. I'm trying to be realistic, but, um, you know, the team is showing promise in certain areas and other areas, man, it's a dumpster fire. It just is what it is. So anything else, Keith? No, I think, um, we've wrapped this up. Let's, um, let's flush this game and, uh, you know, we got our midweek show. We'll figure out what we're going to talk about with that and then um, get ready for the next one. Sounds good. Find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks playbook on Twitter. Find us on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we're all over the place. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, Podcast Addict, etc. And then you can find us on our YouTube channel at Seahawks Playbook. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.